Hey, welcome to Real Life Horsemanship, where we go behind the scenes of the horse industry and talk to equine professionals about what it takes to make it in the horse world. Welcome to the show, Stephanie Stoll. Stephanie is a world reserve champion who won on her three-year-old Appaloosa mare in fraturity. She currently has a training business where she teaches people natural horsemanship methods she has learned over the years. Welcome to the Real Life Horsemanship Podcast. Today, we are interviewing a longtime friend of mine and a horse trainer in Minnesota, Steph Stoll. Woot, woot. We're clapping. We're excited. We're so glad to have you. (laughs) We are. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. And this is the first episode we're recording with a guest, so Steph gets to be the ultimate guinea pig. Lucky her. (laughs) No pressure. No pressure. (laughs) And good thing you know how to laugh because we're probably going to be doing a poor Meg is probably going to have to edit a lot of this episode to make it sound like a real episode. But all right, Steph, Stephanie Stoll, (laughs) how'd you get into horses in the first place? Let's start there. Um, my beginning is probably unlike most horse trainers nobody like in my family did anything with horses whatsoever um and for whatever reason I just got the bug to start horseback riding and when um my mom was so wonderful to us growing up and she had a house cleaning business and she would bring us with her to clean houses and um basically she didn't get paid anything because she paid us to help her clean the houses but that's how I was able to pay for horseback riding lessons when I was I think I was 11 when I started and um then I think by the time I was 13 I started leasing horses and then it kind of all snowballed from there (laughs) god bless moms I know. (laughs) I can tell you how many times my mom sat outside a barn for hours so I could take riding lessons. Exactly. Exactly. Especially the ones that don't understand the horse thing. It's it's extra extra (laughs) special. Yeah, are you kidding me? My mom wouldn't sit outside for more than five minutes if she had to. (laughs) No way. Okay, um, so tell us about what you're doing now, Steph, your business, your business name. Give us a, a little overview over that. Yeah, so um, right now, so my training business um, is Stephanie Ray Horsemanship, um, and uh, it's kind of recently taken off in to um, more of like the breed shows and that type of level of course training, um, specifically in like the um, ranch riding, ranch pleasure classes, and then the Western horsemanship and hunt seat. And (laughs) sorry about my cat. (laughs) (laughs) Just that's such a typical cat move to interrupt your conversation. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay, so breed shows. Yeah, so, yep, the Western Pleasure and the Hunt Seat and, like, all-around classes and all that kind of stuff is kind of um, what it's branched into, so. So, tell us about 
your big deal that happened last year? So last year was my first year where I've had the opportunity to go to a world show level. And I went to the Appaloosa World Show with my own mare. Um, I didn't take any clients, thank God, because I think trying to <laughs> navigate that whole experience while trying to be um, there for somebody else would have been tough for my first time. Um, so I just brought my mare and um, we did really well. We got a couple of top 10 placings and then we ended up coming home with a reserve champion as well. That is pretty cool. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. I love it. Um, I want to back up a little bit because I want to know what it was like when you were first breaking into the horse training world. Like, what was that like going from being a student and a rider to now I'm getting paid to do this? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I feel like it's been a really slow transition. Um, it definitely didn't just happen overnight. Um, you know, going to school was a good first step for me. Um, because before I went to school, I was trying to reach out to a bunch of trainers. Like, you know, like I didn't grow up in like the trainer world of it. Like I just, I couldn't afford that. That wasn't my thing that I could be a part of. Um, but I was, kind of always trying to get into it and so reaching out and just like cold calling people they were like well I don't know you who cares right. about you <laughs> like you know mm -hmm. you don't need help and um so finally when I went to school like I actually had something that I could say oh like this is what I went and I did and mm -hmm. um maybe I'm a little qualified to help you at least clean stalls <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right <laughs> and, um, uh, so I, after, when I was getting ready to graduate, I was um, cold calling and emailing and all kinds of things to everybody under the sun in Minnesota because I wanted to come back home to Minnesota. And um, uh, one person gave me an opportunity and it's kind of um, snowballed from there. Um, I started working on a little um, breeding farm for a while and then they kind of had a connection to um, a Western pleasure trainer who I went and worked for um, for quite a few years. And then um, after that, I managed a barn for a couple years when they, it was um, a husband and wife um, that I was working for and they divorced. And then I managed the barn for um, uh, his wife and then uh, kind of just branched out onto my own after after doing that. So it's kind of been slowly coming and I never, it was never really something that I ever thought was even maybe possible, um, but somehow it's just, it's just been snowballing into a bigger thing than I could have ever imagined, which has been kind of cool. And I'm here for it. Yeah, it's rad. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> That's Did really you ever cool. have a burnout at all, like during um, that? Mm. Yeah, I would say that there's been two different periods in my life where I've already kind of experienced some burnout. And the first time was, I was, well, okay, both times was 
directly related to, I think, just a toxic environment and being around kind of toxic people. Yes. <laughs> crazy how that works. Yes. And like, like the horse industry, mm. it can be so wonderful and so amazing, but at the same time can be so tough and so toxic and so brutal. Um, brutal. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And um, the first time that I had some burnout I quit and I was like I'm not doing this horse training thing I actually went and I worked for a custom cabinet maker and I was like I'm gonna be a carpenter and like <laughs> thinking I was gonna be able to do that and I actually I really loved carpentry and I still like doing it as like a hobby um but man like I just the, I took my horse and I just started boarding them and people at the boarding place were like oh will you help me with my horse and will you help me with my horse and then I was like oh I remember how much I love this. Mm-hmm. And um, then uh, that's when I went to go manage um, the barn. And that turned toxic pretty fast, too. Um, and when I quit there, I was kind of like, you know, do I really want to do this? Like, do I really mm-hmm. want to do this? But finally, I found a good place um, where I'm surrounded by good people and um, like mentors. And mm, that's uh, so cool. People that really just want to see me succeed and, you know, just want to like see you succeed as a person, not even just like as a horse trainer, but just like as a person. Like, no mm-hmm. matter what you do, you know, they're going to be there for you. And I feel like that's been a huge um, thing in helping me steer away from that um, burnout that can happen. So, easily yeah um I also want to back up and ask you a question because um I think everyone involved with this podcast has had good maybe not everyone has had good experiences unfortunately but we've had like we've been on the spectrum of like our college internships were really good to really bad and then sometimes somewhere in the middle And hopefully we'd love for college students to be listening to this sort of a thing. Um, Or even just people trying to break into the horse industry who are looking at doing like a working student slash internship type position. Mm -hmm. What is some advice you would give to your younger self um, in terms of finding that college internship or working student position? Like what are some things you would watch out for what are some things you would value now that you didn't really know to think about then sure um hmm. okay so I feel like I feel like the industry has changed a lot since I was trying to break into the industry I feel like um it's really hard for people to find help right now and Mm -hmm. good help And I think if um, you're actually willing to work and put in the time, you are going to have almost endless opportunities to grow and learn. Um, If you're coming into this and you're like, yeah, I want to ride all of the, you know, nicest horses in your barn and, you know, take all the credit. Like that's, that's not going to happen. Like just 
cool your jets. Like we all just start somewhere. <laughs> right. And um, so I feel like it's equal parts. You have to be willing to work for what you want and um, equal parts kind of protecting um, your own boundaries and not letting somebody take advantage of the fact that you work really hard and um, take advantage of the fact that you're willing to do what it takes. Um, so you have to look out for your employer, um, but also look out for yourself. Um, and Cause it's so, if you really are a good worker, it's, it's amazing how the wrong people can take advantage of that so fast. Mm. I love that. I know that's, yeah. <laughs> You're just like preaching my whole story. It's, it's <laughs> Unfortunately, I feel like it's a really common story in the horse world where like you just, yeah, you just have, I don't know, just toxic people that are just looking to take advantage and mm-hmm. um uh yeah I think if you can be aware of that sooner and try to be on the lookout for that a little sooner and not just think that the just because they've had you know success in the horse world doesn't mean that they're you know great people in general right <laughs> right so, oh, um, man. so you kind of have to look at both sides and uh you can always learn something from everyone, no matter what. I'm a huge believer in that. Um, but sometimes, you know, what you learn with the good is also what not to do. And I think both lessons are <laughs> hard, but uh, very useful and important. Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. Working student positions, college internships, it's like a... I mean, if you weren't born into the horse industry in some way or didn't necessarily have like a lot of funding behind you, you know, internships, working student positions, that's how a lot of people like everyone on this podcast right now (laughs) have like found opportunities, you know, so like it's important. It is. And it's important Mm -hmm. to understand, like, I think, too, as a young woman, like, Um, there are like some unique things you have to think about in terms of your own safety and like, I don't know, to steal your word, uh, staff, like boundaries. Um, and so it's really good to hear you talk about that. Yeah. And I also think to just like expand on that a little more that like internships and, you know, working students is a great place to start. But I think once you start kind of moving forward in your career, Finding people who will mentor you in your own business and your own career is even more important because Preach. like, they, <laughs> like, especially like, you know, the older trainers who have had a lot of success and don't see you as any form of competition or anything <laughs> right. like that, you know, like they're just, they're getting tired, you know, they don't want to ride those red colts anymore and, and all that stuff. Like, those are the people that I found um, that have been like the best for myself and my career and in learning from them. Cause you like, you become a horse trainer and like 
you think once you're a horse trainer, once you go to the world show and you have success, like you have it all together, you never have it all together. Like <laughs> you right? will always be learning. Horses are a wonderful, it's a wonderful sport in the fact that like you will never know it all, like ever. And so if you have someone who can mentor you and continue to push you out of your comfort zone and continue to make yourself vulnerable in admitting that you don't know it all and you're mm. going to always continue to push yourself, you're going to find more success that way than, than just, you know, going through the motions and being like, oh, okay, now that I have this title, I can just kind of cruise. <laughs> right. Huh. Can, can you talk about what you look for in a mentor? Because you, you talked a lot about like how to set yourself up for success, but what do you look for with a trainer? Yeah, oh, that's so, a good question. <laughs> I had thought of that. <laughs> um, so like, I haven't, I would say that I haven't really like gone out of my way to look for a mentor. I've gotten very blessed in the fact that like, they've just kind of come into my life over the years. Mm -hmm. um, but knowing the type of people that I would want as mentor and not, <laughs> I would say like <laughs> it, it has to be someone who um, doesn't feel any form of competition with you. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I've being in the horse industry now for, um, however long I have been, it's really easy to come across people that are like, yeah, let's, let's do this together. And then as your relationship grows and you become more successful, they start to see you as a threat and it's, it's not a healthy relationship anymore. Um, so in order sad. to find a mentor, it is really sad and it's so unfortunate. Um, but in order to find someone that would really, can really mentor you and really help you, like there can't be any form of competition. So whether or not that means you find him in a different discipline somehow, like, you know, mm -hmm. if you're, if you're, you want to be a horsemanship trainer and you're like, oh, you know, I need help with my turnarounds. Oh, go look out for a rainer trainer that might right. like to help you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, no matter what discipline you're in, there's always going to be parallels in, you know, working with horses and there's always going to be, you know, advice for one trainer in a discipline to give another um, because, you know, we still have to bill. We all have to deal with hard clients. We all have to right. deal with going on the road and different things like that. So um, whether it's someone, a trainer who's like nearing retirement and is wanting to just kind of like, you know, maybe kind of slowly get out of it, you know, that would be a great person to reach out to because mm -hmm. they're not looking you as a threat. <laughs> right. Unfortunately, yeah. I feel like that's just a huge part of it is that, you know, when you start to build relationships with people, if you show any kind of success and they start mm -hmm. to see you as a threat, it can get so toxic so fast. Right. And I'm, I'm sure you overuse that word, but I feel like, no, yeah, it can be so prevalent in the industry and it can be so cutthroat. And, um, so I think just having the right people, um, that are in your corner and that are there for you personally and not just, not just as a horse trainer, but just, they know you for you and not just Steph, the horse trainer, but Steph, the human being. Mm -hmm. We've heard, I like Steph, the human being. 
<laughs> I vote yes. Um, I want to go back a little bit at the beginning. Sorry, Ava. No, you're fine. Go. <laughs> cut me off. It's um, good. <laughs> I need to be cut you off. You said, like, in the beginning that um, you kind of had to balance or navigate, like, your clients when you went to that big show and um, that you didn't want to take any client horses or, you know, I want to know kind of how you balance that um, and how you navigated that. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, because I would say, <laughs> I would say my own horse gets rode less than <laughs> any of my client horses. Um, you know, except for yeah. maybe a few months before the world show, she was my, she was my big push. Um, and I don't know if that's necessarily a, I don't think that's a healthy thing. I think you need to make time for your own horse no matter what. Cause at the end of the day, like, I just kind of thought it like at the end of the day, people can take their horses whenever they want out of their training program with me. And even if somebody brings me a horse and I'm really excited about it and I'm like, you know, putting everything that I have into this horse and this client, they can still take that horse at any time, whether that's after I've had success with it in the show world or before. And I never got the opportunity to show the horse. So you do kind of have to um, invest in yourself and your horse and um, because that's the one horse that will always be there and that you can use to represent your business and yourself. And so since I had never had the opportunity to go to a world show before, I really felt like, and luckily it also kind of worked out where, you know, I bought an Appaloosa for myself because I knew that um, that breed isn't really popular in where I'm from. And so I figured I wasn't probably going to have a lot of Appaloosa clients that would want to go to an app show. Um, and so it, it did kind of work out for me. But um, I just really felt like going to a big show like that without having the pressure of, um, you know, every time you go to a show, there's a little bit of a pressure to kind of obviously perform with their horse or for them to perform with their horse that you have been coaching them with and training and all that stuff but also a little bit of pressure to even entertain ah, and like I didn't be think on about that. and be mm. like you know enjoyable for them to be around and you know um like you're still a coach so you still have to coach them and it's still gonna be uncomfortable at times but like you still have to be on and you still have to be mm. entertaining and you still have to take them out to dinner and like do all of the things like that. And right. I knew for my first world show, I, I don't, I wasn't going to care about any of that. Like I just wanted mm -hmm. to focus on my horse and me and doing well. And so mm -hmm. like, you know, and it worked. Of, it did. It, it worked <laughs> out for me this year. And, but like, you know, it was just like, you know, I don't want to focus. Like, like I had, I brought a couple friends with me and <laughs> You know, um, and those poor girls, they were such good sports. Like, I didn't eat until dinner every single day because, like, my mind was so focused. I didn't even want to, like, think about it. Like, I didn't have – I brought my one horse. You think I'd have all the free time in the world. But, like, that's just not <laughs> how it ends up being. <laughs> and um, so, like, finally every day at dinner, I'd be like, oh, 
like, are you guys hungry? Like, do you guys want to figure <laughs> something out to eat? And they'd be like, yeah, thank God. Like, <laughs> starving to death. <laughs> and, uh, oh my gosh. And so like, if I had brought clients and they were like, oh, what are we going to do for lunch? Or, you know, all this stuff it was just, it, for my first time experience, it would have just, it would have been too much. <laughs> I just know myself well enough to know that I wouldn't have been able to <laughs> navigate all of that stuff. <laughs> Totally. Now, I'm so curious because you said that, you know, Appalachians are not very popular where you're from in Minnesota. How, like, what drew you to the breed? Like, how do you get into that? Okay, so. Also, her Appaloosa doesn't have any spots. She looks, she's what? basically a quarter horse. She's yeah. sore. I, oh yeah. my gosh. I love Appies, though. I have such a soft spot for them. <laughs> I, I do. I do too. And so like I grew up with Appaloosas and like at the Lesson Barn that um, I grew up at least, you know, quite a few Appaloosas and they were also solid mm-hmm. Appaloosas and they were so like cool horses. They were sick. Like I have such fond memories with those horses and like we would go to because back in the day, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm a barrel racer and, you know, <laughs> love the speed events. And I would take our, my little lesson Appaloosa horse to these, you know, game shows and mm-hmm. kick everybody's butts. And, like, everybody would be like, well, who the heck is she? And, like, this lesson horse, like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And he was, like, I don't know, like, 22 years old, even. <laughs> Like they were just great horses, and so I've always, I've always had a soft spot in my heart for the breed since then. Um, and I think you know, stock horses are really like my number one focus. And so if I wasn't gonna do quarter horse, if I wasn't gonna do paint, <clears throat> it was gonna be Appaloosa, and so that's that's how I kind of decided on that. I didn't know that about okay. like I knew you grew up on lesson horses and leasing and stuff, but I did not know that they were Appaloosas. Not all of them were, um, just my favorites. <laughs> sure. Yeah, but I mean, like, also I feel like I, since not necessarily on this conversation, but Steph and I talked, I don't even know the last time, but we talked about how her horse is like solid, but still like registered as an Appaloosa. It was I know nothing about breed shows. So I was like, how is yeah, it? Can get a little it doesn't have spots, so <laughs> it's not allowed. <laughs> um, okay, I want to ask you about, and this is something that me and Dana have talked about um, quite a lot. I don't have a kid, but I am married. And Dana is married and has a kid. <laughs> and, like, balancing, I mean, like, I remember what it used to be like when I was, like, applying for jobs or thinking about traveling in the summer. And, like, I, I mean, one of the benefits of being single was, like, I, there was, like, no one else's life that I had to consider, you know? Like, mm-hmm. and I'm, I am, I love being married. I wouldn't trade it for the world because um, mm-hmm. of who I'm married to, but um, definitely like navigating, like balancing family and work life, especially mm-hmm. in our industry, because it's like the horses are there. Like they're not like a laptop, you know, like, 
<laughs> they're yep. still they still need to be fed. They still need to be checked on. You know, ev- like every day, 365 days a year. Um, so, like, what is some advice you could give? You know, the people out there who are trying to like balance. And even if you're not married or you don't have a kid, you know, like having meaningful, connected friendships and relationships in your life is extremely important anyway. So, like, mm-hmm. how would you how do you navigate balancing like investing time in your family, but also being as successful in your career as you have been? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And truthfully, that's that's a question that I'm still definitely trying to figure out for myself as well. Right. <laughs> I um, I would say that I really, especially, so I'm married. I don't have any kids, but I'm married. And, and she has a cat that's um, walking behind her head. Right my now. naughty cat that is <laughs> everywhere. And my saint of a perfect dog that you wouldn't even know is here. <laughs> and, um, I really cherish like the winter and the off season of, um, our sport and like because obviously I'm from Minnesota and so thank god I have a whole heated barn with a heated arena it's not mine but I I've had I've had the opportunity to ride in heated barns and work my business out of um great facilities and um so we still go full-time during the winter so don't get me wrong but when show season isn't in full swing I I just have more free time. Like, that's just how it is. Like, I try to be very diligent about, like, being okay with my horses, um, you know, having the weekend off and me just being home with my husband and, or, you know, planning things with, you know, my parents or Nick's family or, you know, whatever. Um, Because, I'm I'm such a I'm such a drag in the summertime because people will be like oh let's do this birthday party this weekend I'm like ah, I'm at a horse show can't you know? right <laughs> or like my 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 poor mom she's she always tries to plan family vacations and it's oh. always so tough for me because she always wants to do it in the summer when it's fun and you can go to the lake and you know all kinds of things with the grandkids and I'm like I'm like well I don't know I mean if if it's and on off weekend where I don't have a horse show, then maybe I can make it work. But it's just hard to even make weekends on your off weekends work during the show season because those are the weekends you spend preparing for the next horse show. And so utilizing the winter and just like cherishing that time and trying to like take advantage of it and invest in the people that you love during your off time. Um I feel like is uh, really important and um, yeah because show season is just it's busy it's hard to keep track of everything like I always joke to my friends I'm like I'm a horrible friend like you just don't even hear from me in the summertime most of the time like if you're if you're not coming to the shows with me, probably you aren't seeing me. right and so it can be tough but I think just taking advantage of the off season is is important mm-hmm. I feel that right now is my off season yeah and it's like th- to some extent um 
it's difficult because it's like if you're used to like yes. constantly being just like so busy you aren't a human being anymore mm -hmm. <laughs> like, then you go to like every I mean everything's not completely off but it's like I mean right. you have free time it's like, slower yep you know you sometimes you get bored sure but, and and like I don't know about you guys but like also there's like this guilt involved like you take a day off and there's like a huge guilt that like lingers over you and it's like oh like you could be doing this or you could have been doing that or are the horses getting this and blah blah blah, blah. it's just like no like I think <laughs> I don't think we need to guilt ourselves for taking time for ourselves and for our family preach it okay I am kind of interested on how you like grew your clientele mm. um if you did any type of social media um if you put like ads anywhere or just plainly word to mouth yeah that's a really good question um I have really tried the social media thing in the past and I fail so miserably at social media <laughs> I hate social media if I didn't have a business yep. I would not be on any form of social media except for probably TikTok because I love scrolling TikTok but I don't even know if that counts <laughs> I, I I just posting things is so exhausting to me and like making sure it all looks perfect and yeah. mm -hmm. like it's not something that you can't just like put any video on the internet of you writing. No. And so like making sure it looks good and all this stuff. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. So I've really <laughs> failed in that aspect of you suck as a millennial. <laughs> I really do. Nick gets after me all the time. He's like, you need to post every day. You need to post every day. And I'll like, a week with posting every day and then like two months without posting anything <laughs> and just for background for the rest of y'all Steph's husband is like a tech genius type like yes. he has made apps for <laughs> iPhones and crap so yes I'm he's, sure he does he's, that he's brilliant um but <laughs> so that isn't really an avenue that I've really utilized probably as much as I could I would say word of mouth has been huge um, and I know it's like such an exhausting thing to always hear that from professionals. Um, but it really is true. Kind of the biggest thing for yourself is if you invest in these horses and you put your heart and soul into them and people can see that and mm. they see good results that speaks louder than anything else. And also I've gotten a lot of referrals from people who have been mentoring me oh, and that's, so cool. that's been a huge thing as well is getting referrals from bigger time horse trainers because right. um, you know usually you know they'll refer people to you that you know maybe are a little um, like more short-term client or you know just looking to get a cult started or whatever but I've had a lot of success with getting people that you know maybe wanted to start out short term and then became long-term clients and um like you just click like and you know there there's always going to be people in the industry 
that or clients, I should say, that you just don't necessarily click with or their horses you just don't click with. And so if you have a network of other trainers that you can refer people to and not mm-hmm. that you're trying to dump bad clients on people, but you just know, like, I'm, right. I'm kind of a softie of a horse trainer. <laughs> like, I, I just am. I know that about myself. I'm like, oh, this is your hobby. You should enjoy it. You know, like, they're so nice here and have fun. <laughs> and then there's other trainers that are, you know, um, a lot harder and they'll tell you like it is and they'll like just give it to you straight. And some people just need that, you know, yeah. and I know I can't give that. And so, and then, you know, vice versa. And so if you create a little network of horse trainers in your community where you can refer people to them or get referrals from them. Um, that's a huge asset. That's smart. I didn't even, wow. I wouldn't have even thought to mention that. Yeah. I, that's a little that genius kind of fallen into my lap. Like I never planned that. <laughs> <laughs> so collaboration is what you're saying is kind of an yes. part. Yeah. And networking with just other trainers in mm-hmm. general. Mm-hmm. Well, Maybe somebody else can confirm or deny this, but I think we are close to our wrap time. I agree. So I'm going to finish this off. We've been asking every, well, I say everybody, the four of us, we've been asking each other this question to end our interviews. Um, What's the one piece of advice you would go back and give your younger self? As like an Instagram caption. Yeah, so it has like, to be what's like your Instagram caption. Oh, less. Yeah, which you hate social media, so this is really yeah, fun for oh, you. I love Instagram. Okay. Oh man, put me on the spot. That that's I... the idea. You're the guest on the podcast. <laughs> I suppose. That's <laughs> like you're asking me questions. I'm like, why would I know the answer to that? Okay. Uh, <laughs> one piece of advice. Okay, this is gonna sound so dumb and so lame but just stay with me the (laughs) biggest thing that I would tell myself as you know a young professional or just someone who's trying to get into this world is to just believe in yourself and don't cut yourself short because it's so easy to look at everybody else and compare and be like oh look what they can do with their horse and oh I can't do that with my horse or mm-hmm. I've never been able to do that it doesn't mean you can't do it it just it just means you don't know how to yet mm-hmm. and if you are constantly cutting yourself short and like not giving yourself enough credit to get there one day like you you're never going to you're never going to succeed because it's going to be a battle against yourself and So if you just believe in yourself and every day go out to the barn and just be like, okay, I'm just going to try. I'm just going to try. And, you know, one day you'll get it. It'll just click and you'll be like, oh, okay, cool. Like that's how you get one to turn around or that's how you get one to lope off for the first time in the round pen on your first ride or, you know, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. And if you are constantly just battling with yourself, you're never going to win. But if you start believing in yourself, some cool, cool stuff will start happening. I love that. That's great. Yeah. Don't (laughs) limit yourself folks. Exactly. Do it. Thanks for being on the podcast, Steph. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Yeah. Wonderful. (laughs) I told the gals, I was like, Steph's fun. 
Like, we will laugh. <laughs> if, if nothing else, there will be laughter. True. <laughs> kind of my ammo. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today on Real Life Horsemanship. We hope you enjoyed listening to our guest today. And if you'd like to keep up to date, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify and give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook.